Kiora, and welcome to Auckland Council Heritage Unit's series of podcasts about Auckland's hidden histories. We will be sharing some stories about Auckland places, people, and animals that you might not have heard about before. These stories have come out of the historical research that we do in our daily work. I'm Margaret Hill, Heritage Researcher at Auckland Council. And I am Rebecca Freeman, Senior Specialist, Historic Heritage at Auckland Council. In this episode, we will look at just a few aspects of Queen Street's history and heritage. We will talk about Queen Street as a place to go for fun and to shop. Now, if you really wanted to go shopping in the days before suburban malls, you needed to head into central Auckland, especially Queen Street and Happy Road. There you would find all manner of shops and especially department stores to suit every budget. There were five major department stores in central Auckland during the 20th century. Three of these were on Queen Street. Smith & Coe's and Milne & Choice were upmarket luxury stores, while John Court was a family-friendly alternative. The other two were on Karangahapi Road, George Court's and Rendell's. Let's start with a department store that you can still visit today, Smith & Coe's. Did you know that Smith & Coe's was established by a woman? Mary Ann Smith, Coe Preston, 1851 to 1938, arrived in Auckland from Ireland with her husband, William Henry Smith, in 1880. She quickly established her own shop, Smith's Cheap Drapery Warehouse, on Upper Queen Street. Mary Ann ran the shop on a strategy of high turnover through low retail margins. Her motto was a nimble sixpence rather than a slow shilling. Initially, the new firm couldn't support both husband and wife but Mary Ann's business soon became so successful that William left his job at a rival store to join her. As well as local trade, they specialised in supplying country customers through mail order and built relationships with Māori customers through advertising in the Māori language newspaper Te Korimako. Mary Ann's brother, Andrew Coe, became a partner when he arrived in Auckland in 1882 and they expanded the firm into Smith & Coe, Drapers and Clothiers. As a married woman, Mary Ann was not a partner in the firm, but remained deeply involved throughout her life, including acting as a director of the board and travelling to India and Britain on buying trips. Smith & Coe's Fabric Hall, which was filled with textiles of every kind, was the largest in Australasia. Once you had selected your fabrics, an army of seamstresses and tailors were on hand to construct and tailor garments. The Fabric Hall only closed in 2004, not that long ago. From the 1920s, ready-to-wear fashion became more common and Smith & Coe's stocked New Zealand designers and European labels made in New Zealand under licence. The store shifted to its current location in 1884 and expanded into surrounding buildings as business grew. A four-storey building designed by Thomas Marnie was completed in 1908 and gave the store 1.2 hectares of floor space. In 1928, American architect Roy Lippincott designed a new seven-storey building, and in 1939 he was employed again to create a facade for the buildings on Queen Street, unifying the different buildings. Milne & Choice at 131 Queen Street was the second upmarket option. Milne & Choice was also established by women. Two sisters, Mary Jane and Charlotte Milne, set up a small draper's shop in 1867 in Wyndham Street. The business flourished, and in 1874 they moved to new premises in Queen Street. That same year, Charlotte married Henry Charles Choice, who took over Charlotte's interest in the company. Mary and Jane renamed the business Milne and Choice. The business continued to grow and they shifted to a new and more prominent location on Queen Street. By 1900, they had 100 staff. 
and about 1924, they shifted into their new purpose-built, nine-storey, 8,000-square-metre store. The building had six lifts and luxurious carpets and furnishings. During the Second World War, the building even had its own air raid shelter. The new store was designed by engineer Eric Rhodes and architect Llewellyn Piper to be earthquake resilient. It used new technology coming out of the United States, which allowed for fewer structural posts and dividing walls, creating large open spaces. While the store sold ready-to-wear fashion, they also had a team of seamstresses, including my grandmother, who custom-made and altered clothes for customers. Like Smith & Coe's, Milne & Choice held fashion shows. In 1947, the event of the season was a fashion show featuring Kristen Dior's new look and Balenciaga fashions direct from Paris. Milne & Choice were also famous for its tea rooms, which could seat 600 people in splendour. Called the Tudor Tea Rooms, they had as many as 250,000 diners a year. During the middle of the 20th century, Milne & Choice opened branches around Auckland and elsewhere in New Zealand, including at Auckland's first mall, Lynn Mall, which it partly owned. The company was bought out in the 1970s and the Queen Street store closed in 1976. The company endured until the 1990s when the last suburban store, which was in Remuera, was sold. The third department store was John Court's, a family-friendly department store. The former John Court department store sits at the corner of Queen and Victoria Streets, one of the busiest intersections on Queen Street. The building is again being used as a department store. Nowadays, it's farmers, which we'll talk about later. George and Frederick Court had already established a drapery business in Auckland when their brother John arrived in 1889. By that stage, they had two stores, one on Queen Street and one on Karangahapi Road. By 1902, the brothers had two shops on Queen Street, acquiring new and bigger premises as their businesses grew. After Frederick retired, George and John amicably decided to split the business to provide succession for their sons. George Court took over the Karangahapi Road store, known as the Big Store, which is now the George Court Apartments. John took over the two Queen Street shops. By 1920, John Courts had expanded in a big way, eventually adding five new floors to the Queen Street building it bought in 1910. You could buy everything and anything at John Court. Household goods, clothing, shoes, toys, accessories, haberdashery, electrical equipment and furnishings. While Farmers has spent much of its 111-year history in its Hobson Street flagship store, it is closely associated with Queen Street due to the free Farmers tram and bus that it operated for many years. The free tram and later bus was a common sight, sparing shoppers laden with heavy bags or small children from having to trudge between Hobson Street, Queen Street and K Road. The tram went from Bereford Street and along Hobson Street to a terminus on Wyndham Street. So the next time you're shopping on Queen Street, Take time to look up above the awnings and admire the heritage buildings that used to house some of Auckland's most well-loved department stores. I'd like to acknowledge the New Zealand Fashion Museum and Heritage New Zealand Pohere Taonga research reports which have supplied information for this story. Thank you for that interesting discussion on the department stores of Queen Street. Since the first films were screened in Auckland in the 1890s, cinema became an entertainment sensation rivaling and eventually surpassing live theatre, vaudeville and opera as the most popular form of recreation and entertainment. The first cinema in Queen Street opened in 1911 in the Imperial Buildings adjacent to Queen's Arcade. It was called The Queen's and later known as The Roxy 
and it showed continuous pictures. Continuous picture theaters screened the same film back to back for 12 hours with no gap between showings. Patrons could enter and leave at any time and many would arrive to watch the end of a film before seeing the beginning. Another continuous picture theater was the Rococo style The Globe, later known as the Hippodrome, which also opened in 1911 and was located on the site of the Lewis Eady building, which is now occupied by Hellenstein Brothers. In December of 1911, The Globe was the first cinema in the country to screen a color film. Early color technologies were complicated and expensive, requiring two projectors with red and green overlapping filters and fans. The technology didn't work well and was short-lived. Between 1910 and 1920, there was a significant increase in the number of New Zealanders going to the cinema. In addition to the growing popularity of films, which was closely linked to the rise of Hollywood and its glamorous studio stars, people also flocked to see newsreels showing footage from the front lines of World War I. The increased demand was met by both significant advancements in filmmaking and projection, but also a cinema building boom, which was particularly apparent along Queen Street. Seven new cinemas were constructed during this decade, and many existing live theatres, halls, and opera houses were converted to show films. This discussion is focused specifically on Queen Street, but it is worth remembering that cinemas were popping up all around the city, including on Lorne Street, Elliott Street, Victoria Street, Karunga Happy Road, and Pitt Street, to name a few. On Queen Street, some of the new cinemas included The King George, later known as The Embassy, the National, and finally the Century, which was constructed in 1912, approximately where the Crombie Lockwood building is now. Two years later, the Grand, later known as the London, and finally the Oxford, was constructed where the Commercial Bay Complex is now located. Both the Princess, later called the Plaza, located approximately where the Cottonon is now, and Everybody's, which is still standing but is occupied by the Louis Vuitton store, were con both constructed in 1915. At the peak of this building boom came The Strand, later known as The Mayfair, and finally Cinerama in 1916. Extremely expensive to build, it was said to be the ultimate in luxuriousness. The Strand featured an innovative heating and ventilation system, an Italian mosaic floor, a marble staircase, and an orchestrion, which was a forerunner to the better-known Wurlitzer. The Strand was the first cinema to show films on Sunday, and in 1929 was the first cinema to screen a film with sound, called a talkie, after technology had been perfected from its shaky start three years prior. By 1917, 48% of New Zealanders went to the cinema every week. On average, tickets cost about one shilling and six pence, or around nine dollars in today's money. Taking advantage of this boom in patrons, cinema companies began constructing larger cinemas that focused on the experience of going to see a film. The new cinemas employed exotic, glamorous, and palatial styles to transport patrons to another time and place. They were appropriately known as picture palaces. The first of the palaces on Queen Street was the Majestic, which was constructed in 1925 and featured a colonnade of ionic columns set into its facade. Located approximately where the 246 building is now, it was the largest cinema in New Zealand at the time of construction, with space for 2,000 patrons. In 1926, the Majestic officially screened the first talkie in the country, but as mentioned before, the technology was still in its early days and quality was very poor. In 1926, 
the Art Deco The Regent, located approximately where the BNZ is now, was opened and included an understage swimming pool for water spectaculars. In 1929, the Spanish Renaissance revival St. James and the Indian and Moorish-inspired The Civic were opened, supplanting the Majestic as the largest cinema in the country. The Civic is still the largest theatre in New Zealand. Although cinema remained hugely popular during the 1930s and 40s, because of the Great Depression and material shortages stemming from World War II, no new cinemas were constructed along Queen Street during these decades. Cinema attendance peaked in the 1950s, and when television was introduced in the 1960s, cinema admissions more than halved from 9 million per year to 4 million per year. Between 1960 and 1970, many cinemas closed and were demolished, including The Regent and The Majestic. However, the modestly scaled The Odeon was constructed adjacent to the St. James in 1957. It was notable as the first public building in the country to have air conditioning. In 1966, the West End Cinema was constructed adjacent to the Odeon. Both buildings are now included in the redevelopment of the St. James Theatre. The 1970s saw the rise of intimate cinemas, which were small theatres that catered for the boutique film market. In 1975, three intimate cinemas were opened along Queen Street, including the Winter Garden, which is part of the Civic Complex, and Cinema One and Cinema Two, which were both located approximately where the Unicam now stands at 242 Queen Street. Speculative development opportunities in the 1980s saw the demise of most of the remaining cinemas from the first decades of the 20th century. These were replaced with a new cinema type called a multiplex. The Mid-City Centre, located adjacent to the Strand Arcade, opened in 1984, and Event Cinemas, located in Sky City's Metro Centre, opened in the 1990s. Today, cinema options on Queen Street are considerably more limited. Of the 17 cinemas discussed, only two are still in operation, the Civic and Event Cinemas. And while most of the buildings are also gone, bookending Queen Street are both the first cinema constructed, the Queens at 44 and 48 Queen Street, and the last cinema constructed, Event Cinemas at 291 to 297 Queen Street. I would like to acknowledge Bruce W. Hayward and Selwyn P. Hayward, who authored Cinemas of Auckland 1896 to 1979, which was the source of much of this information. Thank you for listening to our podcast about cinemas and department stores in Auckland. If you enjoyed this, you can check out our other podcasts about the hidden histories of Auckland, including Tom the Elephant, The Life and Work of Simone Nathan, and some other Queen Street stories.